5: Welcome. Welcome to the first ever Fearless Army Cookout. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, This is a special live edition of Fearless. We've got all the gang here in town for a special show. I spent all day uh, cooking, preparing the studio, uh, buying alcohol, doing everything for a cookout. I did it all myself. It's been a very busy day for me, but you know what? I got a special show uh, planned for us. TJ Moe is here, Shamika Michelle is here, Delano's in town, Pastor Anthony Walker is here. We are going to have a great conversation and we're gonna have some very special guests joining us in studio. Uh, The country music rocker, Aaron Lewis, one of my favorite artists is here with us today. He'll join us a little bit later in the show. His song, Am I the Only One, changed my whole perspective about country music. I'd I'd never really been a fan until I heard that song, and then it changed my whole perspective. I can't wait to talk to him. Aaron's a super patriot. Uh, Nick Cersei, the actor, he will be here with us live in studio. Nick has a tremendous uh, documentary uh, that he's put together called Capital Punishment about Uh, what happened on January 6th in Washington, D.C. Nick, those of you who remember Justified is one of my favorite shows of all time. He was Art, the chief deputy officer in Justified for five or six years, one of my favorite shows uh, of all time. He'll be here, Uh, he lives here in Nashville. We're gonna talk about his documentary and some other things. And a guy you've seen on the show uh, many times that has become a new friend of the Fearless Army, Bryson Gray. Christian rapper uh, biblical scholar Torah scholar uh, I, I, I think he can go verse for verse with uh, Anthony TJ and Delano uh, he can go scripture for scripture with any of these guys and then he can rap about it he'll be here and join us in this conversation but we're going to start <clears throat> by talking about something why I invited all these guys I guys here Delano, Anthony coming in on a Monday, Shamika coming in from North Carolina, T.J. Mo. There has been a conversation we've been having in America, and we're just two, three weeks from the election, and most people, I think, have, particularly black people, have bought into the belief that our ancestors fought and sacrificed their lives and put up with a lot of injustices and fought against injustice for our ability to vote. And I, that's kind of the narrative that has been t- uh, taught to us or shared with us. I tend to disagree with that narrative. I think that they sacrificed and the civil rights movement actually started, it was about men and men being providers and men b- being provided the opportunity to provide for their families. If you go back and look at a lot of the footage early on in the civil rights movement, you saw men protesting in the street, I am a man. And it was about jobs and the ability for men, particularly black men, to be given the opportunity to take care of their families. Because at that time, in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, I think we all understood the importance of family and that family is actually the most important thing and we've now turned that into voting is the most important thing and i completely disagree with that and so i've been asking and i think america is ready for a conversation about if the true leaders of the 1950s and 60s that created the freedom that we all enjoy today, and I don't care, if people gonna lie and say we don't have that freedom, but trust me, I've talked to my parents, I've talked to my grandparents, we enjoy a freedom today that they did not have. And if they fought for the family, should we be fighting for the right to vote for a political movement that doesn't respect the family and whose policies aren't about supporting the nuclear family. And I think we'll get into the, we won't delve right into it here, but in the back half of the show, we'll get into it. I'm starting to see signs from people like Killer Mike and other celebrities, particularly male celebrities, that are starting to figure out that, hey, what am I really supporting here? Is this empowering me? Is it empowering the black man and the nuclear family and just men in general Or are we disempowering the man in male leadership? And so that's the discussion I wanna have with these guys today. Uh, Today, it's not about me driving the discussion. These are people, obviously you guys know, you've seen them on the show, people I have great deal of respect for, respect their intellect, respect their their knowledge and commitment to their own families. Uh, If you notice, the people, the guys that come on my show, have families i'm the guy without the family you saw me cry about it last week i won't cry tonight (laughs) i'm not gonna go beta today but i bring on guys on this show and women that i respect they're living the right way they're committed to the right things and so uh delano i'm gonna let you get us rolling and then from there people just jump in as, as they want to are we, are, are, you, are, are we starting to see people wake up to the fact that, particularly for black people, that we're committed to a political party that has really no interest hmm. in us as black men and as leaders?
3: I, I hope so. Um, I, I do think we're starting to see that. I mean, there, there's some ripples and some tremors it, the, the earthquake hasn't hit a six and a half, seven, or nine on the Richter scale just yet. But you can feel the tremors. You know, As you said, part of it, we had this conversation on Friday in terms of a killer mic. But, but Jason, I, I like the way you started it, right? So often you'll hear, oh, our ancestors died for the right to vote. Is that part of the story? Yes, it is. Because voting in a, in a constitutional republic, not a democracy, a constitutional republic where the people elect their representatives Voting is one of the things that guarantees you equal citizenship. But there's a lot more to life than voting. And part of the problem, I think, with the left is that they boil it down, particularly when they talk to the black community, and especially when they talk to black men. The only thing that you'll hear them say is vote. Vote, 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 vote. That's the only message that they have. And I think um, that people are starting to see that and wake up to the fact that, okay, so I vote. Okay, I give you a job. You're making six figures. What does that have to do with me? Right? Like, how, how is my life going to change materially by me voting for you? Um, and I, and I, I hope this, the, the tide is starting to shift. Um, I'm not sure if it is, because we're still by far, we in terms of uh, black Americans, it's still by far the most loyal Democratic base. But I, I said the other day, I said, I don't care what um, tangibles. I don't care if, you, if the left came up with a black basic income. You could not pay me enough to vote for a party that does not acknowledge the sex binary, thinks men can get pregnant, is for abortion on demand, thinks the government is a, a more suitable uh, mate and father than men themselves, um, and refuses to acknowledge God in any of his laws or, or any of his policies. So some people will vote for that. I'm just not one of them. So I, I'm hoping that the tide is starting to shift, but I think only time will
5: tell.
6: If it's just vote for black men right now, is to, to black women is vote so you can kill your kids. That's the mm. message that they're sending to black women. I was watching, uh, there was a concert last night, I think, mm. or sometime over the weekend, <laughs> where uh, Lotto brought out Stacy Abrams mm-hmm. onto the stage. And her message to the crowd, these crowds of people were... Vote so you can have your body, your
2: choice. Mm-hmm.
6: And that was it. Like there's a crowd of black people here that, and that's the only message that she had to Remember, share.
2: Stacey Abrams says that uh, abortion is the solution to inflation too. Right, and so she we did say that. We do have a, uh, <coughs> Donald Trump's the wrong messenger for this. Um, he's the wrong messenger for a lot of things. I, again, two time Trump voter, but not the, uh, he's a bull in a China shop. But when he said, what do you, the hell do you have to lose? he was dead on. Right. Right. It's like instead of listening to the party that since the 1960s has said, hey, vote for us and we'll take care of all your problems. You should eat, forget voting because they've told you voting will solve all your problems and take care of your house. Right. right. And, and also, I mean, Jason brought this up on the show not long ago. Who are you to be voting for policy when you can't get your own house in order? Right. I'm not telling you people shouldn't have a vote. I'm telling you worry about inside, the government is very unlikely to help you. They're going to cause you problems. Yes. So if you look inside of your own four walls, that's mm-hmm. where you're going to do some damage. Yeah.
6: There was an old gospel song that said, sweep around your own front door. Mm. Before you try yeah. to sweep around mine.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when I think about <clears throat> this whole conversation, it, it takes me back to uh, one of the things I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. The government is not designed to do what man is designed to do. Mm-hmm. Like God called the man to rectify a lot of things in, in his creation uh, and the government can't do that. And, and even going to what TJ just said there, we've got to think about before I even leave the house to vote, what's going on in my house? Right. like How am I dealing with that? And really, if we want to get you know biblical about this, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of Job and he was faithful to God. He was great. God calls him great. If You, you call me great is one thing, but if God calls you great, you're great. <laughs> Greatest man in the East, right? Satan looks at him and says, God, the only reason that Job respects you and worships you is because you're protecting him. Take that away and he'll curse you. And God says, I'll tell you what, I'll take it away. Just don't touch his life. The first thing that Satan went after was his finances and his family. Mm. He took away all of his finances, everything on day one, Mm. and he killed all of his kids on day one. Mm. This is an effort to destroy Job. So that makes me zoom out and think, I know what Satan's plan is. If he wants to destroy man, he's gonna go after his finances, he's gonna go after his family. And then the next day, He goes after his marriage Mm -hmm. and his personal health. Mm. So I got to look at this plan from the Bible and what Satan is really trying to do. We haven't even left to go to the polls yet and Satan's design to destroy man is to get his family, his finances, his marriage, and his personal health. So that's what we gotta start looking. So So Satan's a Democrat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I watched the the conversation you guys had about the the, uh, Killer Mike interview uh, with Charlemagne. Um, I watched that and I, I get it, he's politically astute. A lot of those guys, even Charlemagne knows, they know their history and all that. But I just don't understand the idea of, hey, what are you gonna do for me? It's like, what are you gonna do for yourself? And then worry about that. Because yeah. Killer Mike is like, hey, you went here, and I guess some, you know, the guy who's- King Randall. King Randall. Brian
5: Kemp went to visit King Randall. Yes. And Young s- guy that's building schools, a specific mm-hmm. school for black boys to raise black men. Brian Kemp went and supported that. I, I get what Killer Mike's saying, because th- there's no programs, and Delano and, and uh, Anthony, you guys are raising kids, mm-hmm. boys. There are no programs directed at elevating black boys. Every program, if there is a program for blacks, it's directed at daughters. Mm. Yeah. And it, it. And so I get why I've met King Randall. I know what he's trying to do. He's a young guy. He's not perfect. He's like anybody else. But he's trying to help. Young black boys and Brian Kemp going out there and showing any support for that, and Killer Mike saying to uh, like that's where Stacey Abrams needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's there's there's no investment in the black man. There's no interest in his leadership. And I listen to Anthony and you, your point about finances and family and all that other stuff. At the if a man can't provide it's hard for him to raise lead Correct. a family yeah. mm-hmm. and we are being eliminated from corporate America and and just leadership positions mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Th- there, there's you know and so we wonder why and I, I our show from time to time is is critical of ministers. But the whole system is rigged against ministers Mm -hmm. if you're assassinating men Mm -hmm. you're undermining a minister's ability to gather men to lead a community a church and all that and that's you know i've told anthony many times i want to be barnabas i want to be an assistant to ministers i don't (laughs) want ministers to think i'm out to get them i'm really just out trying to help them gather men to come help them at the church i I want to respond to something tj said
3: because i I think this is good advice for all Americans, regardless of color. I think our entire political system is upside down. A lot of I, there's no way that I think the founders said, elect us and then we're going to fix everything in your life. <laughs> right? Um, too many people have, have gotten this notion that government is the end all be all on, on both sides, Republican and Democrat, black, white, Chinese, a mm. candy stripe. Too many people believe this. Um, and I think instead what we should do is say, OK, I'm responsible for these things. Mm-hmm. My home being f- first and foremost, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility to educate my kids, mm-hmm. right? As, as their father, me and my wife. We may delegate that responsibility for a period of time, but it's always ours to take back. But what we get instead is a political class that says, vote for me and I'll fix these problems. And both, both sides of the aisle do it. So, and I think TJ started with this, for me, the better thing to ask is, one, what are my values? What um, what is it that I'm looking for in terms of concrete policy for my elected officials? And so some it could be like school choice, right? I want to be able to send my kid to a charter school. One candidate wants to ban all charter schools. One candidate wants to increase them. That's easy. Mm -hmm. But other than that, the other question I ask is, who is going to be least likely to mess up my life? Yes. (laughs) Because politicians have a lot more power to mess things up than they do to solve things and this is just life in general right you I remember when I was a, when I was in high school the church I went to we owned a building next to the church it was an apartment building in Brooklyn and they needed to do some work on it so when it was time for demolition they gave us the sledgehammers because young boys with yeah. a lunch of free testosterone <laughs> so go we'll, we'll break some stuff it's okay we like that but when they had when it was time to build They went and got master carpenters, plumbers, and electricians because it takes skill and precision to build. Anybody can destroy stuff. Exactly. Um, So I think that's that's one of the things that that you're seeing here. But when Pastor Anthony um, talked about Job, I said this before, in the scripture, you see a pattern that that emerges. Satan always wants to kill the man Mm -hmm. and deceive the woman. Mm -hmm. And when you get both of those things operating, you just sit back and say, oh boy, this is easy. Right. Yeah. And now and now he's he's coming for the children yes. with the trans yeah. stuff and abortion. So I mean you you see the, the entire play just sort of unfolding in front of our eyes. And so right.
2: that's the that's the big point about, you know, we do have to vote. I mean, it's incredibly, it's biblical. Mm-hmm. It's a responsibility. Through, yes, yeah. But I'm telling you, I vote to keep them from wrecking my life. Yes. <laughs> I don't vote for them to fix it. Yeah. Over and over, and you, and you can look across the country, and, and we've done this for the first time since 2009, Glenn Youngkin, became a statewide elected official in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it was down the line. It was uh, governor, lieutenant governor, mm-hmm. attorney general, mm-hmm. and their house. Mm-hmm. They got it all off of one thing, CRT, you're not gonna touch our kids. And that wasn't a do something for me, it's leave my children Quit alone. Right. This is happening in California right now. The, Gavin Newsom and their legislation just passed a bill where they're a, a sanctuary state for transgenderism. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not clear whether the parents have to accompany these kids. No, so in theory, a kid from Missouri mm-hmm. could catch a flight or go with his friends, say they're going on a trip, and, and get all the transgender therapy they want in California. And so I'm voting to keep that from happening. Yeah. Right, down, yeah. in, down in Houston, this is several years ago now though, they, they uh, elected a mayor hmm. that subpoenaed five pastors and all of their, yes, and all of them. Hey, I wanna see everything you're saying about homosexuality. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness. They're trying to I'm make the Bible that. hate speech, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm getting at. So it's like, I'm voting against these things, but when it comes to what are you doing for me? Nothing. I don't need anything from the government. Yeah. What I need is you to leave me alone so I can get my wife and my family together and we can take care of ourselves. You leave me alone and we'll be okay. Yeah, Keep,
7: I think- keep in mind of Satan's plan, as you were talking about Delano, he doesn't come straight at the man. Mm-hmm. He comes back through the side door. Mm-hmm. He goes through Eve. He goes through mm-hmm. the family because mm-hmm. a man who has his mind focused on God, he's he can overpower the enemy. But he yeah. says, "No, I can't. I can't hit him directly. But I'll get to his family." And the other thing that Satan believes, before you jump in, Shamika, Satan believes that there is a price for our values. That's what Mm. he was telling Job. Like Mm -hmm. if you take this away, he will turn away from you. And Mm -hmm. so there's a price that folk are saying that, Hey, I can get your values. Mm -hmm. I can get your beliefs. If I give you X amount of dollars Mm -hmm. from the government, if I give you X amount of this, there is a price. And and as a man, we have to say, no, we're good. (laughs) Correct. We're good. And you keep that and keep up. But if you don't do that, then they'll just keep grabbing and keep grabbing and That's keep fair. grabbing. And I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm afraid of where they're going. Because they're on a on a way there yeah mm-hmm.
6: i think that goes to even if you look back throughout history it's been a perfect design to get the woman to not even respect the man mm-hmm. when they start taking trades out mm-hmm. of schools and then mm-hmm. jobs out mm-hmm. of america it's like black women said hey you know if you can't provide What do I need you for? Mm -hmm. You know, if I got to choose between feeding my child and having this man in the house, I'm going to feed my child. Mm -hmm. And so the man has to go. It's like she lost respect a long time ago because the man wasn't able to provide the way he used to be able to provide. And so it's like, what do I need you for? Mm -hmm. Because you're not bringing in the money. And I think that was the start of black women starting to not respect the black man and You know, when you're out there and you're feeling down about yourself, you may turn to drugs, you may turn to any type of illicit lifestyle because your family's gone now, and you can't provide. As a man, men are providers. So when that way for you to actually do what's in your nature is taken away from you, all hope is gone. Like, you know, so much despair there, and I think that started a lot of what we see now.
3: I can can answer your question (laughs) when you said, well, what do I need you for, right? I, I, sh- I shared an article a little early. I'm not sure if y'all got a chance to see it. I, mm-hmm. I saw it when last week. It was from the Washington Post. It was a story about the shortage of black male sperm donors across the country. Mm. Yeah, the Post, they did an 18 month story on this. Whatever. And it was 2% two, two of sperm donors are, are black men. And they were covering a number of women who, black women, who wanted to have black children. And they were faced with a decision do I? go outside of the official channels, right? Somebody I know personally, some of these apps, or do I get sperm from a, uh, a man of another ethnicity? And from the time, when I clicked on the story, the first picture, I said, OK, she's a lesbian, so I know where this is going. <laughs> and it got to a point where the woman who, um, she ended up getting an Indian guy sperm, and her and her girlfriend broke up, and this and the next, and it said something to the effect of, um, I wish black men Knew how important they were to create families, mm. and I said, "That's that's the final that's the final shoe drop. Wow. This is this is the BLM um, sort of vision of black family life. So, if the question is, what do I need you for? I've, I've said this before. Three things that the left, and particularly the, the the radical feminist left, wants from black men. They want their vote. Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about, to acquire political power. They want their seed to have children, because as much as some of them try, they can't fight nature's call. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they want their corpse to power Mm -hmm. their activism. Yes. Jason, remember on Friday when I read that piece from from USA Today, that, that description of the tweet, and it said two years after George Floyd's death, um, a lot of companies make promises to diversify, and one group is, has failed to take advantage of that, and it's black women. That's why they say things like that. They're comfortable mm. saying that, because to, to the left, that is all black men are good for. Right? It's like, give, give, me a, mm. give me your sperm. I don't want you. Just your sperm. I just want your sperm, just so deposit. I can raise the baby with my girlfriend. Right. You know what I mean, and and you see this in so many areas of life. It's like, give me the, ba- I, I, I want the carriage. I don't want the marriage. Give me the baby. I don't want you. And I think after a while, when, when men continue to hear that message, they're gonna go away. Right. And then the women are gonna say, well, we're, I'm tired. Oh, I wish somebody, <laughs> the black man, to protect me. <laughs> I protect right. them, you ran them out
7: the house. Right. You said you didn't want him. Right. So so the the what should come with the seed. Is all the rest of the man correct? Mm-hmm. His his love correct. His spiritual leadership, mm-hmm. his, provision, yes. his provision, protection, yeah. his protection, his profession—all mm-hmm. of that should come with that seat. Outside of that, they don't want that. You can't have my seat. You yes. can't have me. Yeah. Oh, never. No. Right. One of the guys. One of the guys. In the story, and I'll let y'all read
3: the story. One of the guys that this woman found, another lesbian, is married, father of four, and he. It's like he didn't want the money. I'm not sure what his motivation was. So he met the woman at a restaurant. They had a do-it-yourself insemination kit. It didn't take. He came back later to do it again. And then they had sex. And then they showed a picture with her and the baby. And I said, oh my goodness. This is, this is a dystopian hellscape, right? Because as I said, it's like they don't, when, when you talk about the dynamic between men and women, when women lose respect for men, you, it, it happens in more than one way. And when you see the sort of the, the, the vitriol, um, the way in which the left feels comfortable attacking black men, mm-hmm. this is the iron law of nature. Weakness is always met with aggression.
6: Mm-hmm. And
3: they think that we're weak, right. that we can't defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, I don't, again, I don't need you, right? Mm-hmm. Guy, the, I've been married to the government for 60 years. He, <laughs> he provides plenty for me. Mm and i think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing people do what they do to kill a mic call killer Mike a sellout. call him a, a shill and a, and a so on and so forth and i and I, I i pray it's not that i want every black man to vote republican cuz that's not even what i'm after i just pray enough of them to wake up and say i'm tired of being used by these people who have no regard for me whatsoever
7: right
5: that's that's my hope
7: yeah i i, I want
5: and keep in mind everybody listening i don't say this with any type of pride, although I used to. I've never voted. And, and I don't say that with any pride, I'm just keeping the facts so you can understand where I'm coming from. But uh, Donald Trump's inauguration speech, inauguration speech, you gotta keep in mind how I grew up. My mother was a 30-year factory worker for electric, uh, Western Electric. My father didn't graduate high school, hmm. built a bar, in the inner city, they catered to factory workers and working class black people in the inner city. So my whole mentality growing up was working class, union, factory worker, black people. That's all I knew, that's all the people that I love and respect. And virtually everything I say on this show is a reflection of either my mother and her friends, because my parents divorced, my father and the people I met at the Masterpiece Lounge, all basically factory workers. And so when I heard Trump's inauguration speech, I sent it to my mother. I was like, you gotta watch this. This this man's talking about us. Mm -hmm. Because it was a speech about manufacturing jobs Mm -hmm. and bringing them back. Mm -hmm. And then, so last week, we started talking about, on the show, safety and the NFL. Mm -hmm. And how all these, this hyper concerned about safety in the NFL was undermining the NFL. Mm. And a dude emailed me, former factory worker, former union head, and he's like, you know, Jason, uh, safety is how they ran all the manufacturing jobs out of America, mm. that they use safety concerns mm to make, you know, you had, the unions got so powerful and they had safety concerns and prices elevated and you had to put in all these safety provisions and companies started saying, well, let me go to China, let me go someplace else <laughs> yeah. where they're not mm-hmm. hyper concerned yeah. with safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you understand the nature of man, He's going to take risks. Risk, yeah. He's gonna go in that coal mine. Yep. He's not super cons- he's a roughneck. He's gonna climb a skyscraper and build it. Mm-hmm. And if two out of every five of them fall to their death, ah, right. took one for the team. <laughs> I'm providing for my family. Right. Men are risk takers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They ran manufacturing jobs out of, out of here under concerns of safety. Mm. And so pe- my father, my mother, their generation of people, there's no place for them right now in America. Mm-hmm. Right. All the people I grew up idolizing and, and, and running up behind, wanting to be like them, there's no, I'm talking about William and Dog Ballard, I can say Baby John, I can name all these people. They were my father's best friends and my idols. They were all factory workers. And we don't have those jobs. Yeah. And so those men who were great men, weren't perfect, drank too much, uh (laughs) they provided (laughs) for their family i knew their kids Uh they raised good kids they took care of their women we've run all that out under state and so that's the deeper level of the game that's being played on us as as everything becomes about safety and they run the manufacturing they're they're shrinking the male workforce yep and enhance it. If everything's about what you can do on a laptop,
3: everybody can right. do Women, mm-hmm.
5: anybody can sit on their phone or on mm-hmm. a laptop mm-hmm. and do these jobs. And, and you know, the men are sitting at home with nothing to do, nothing to satiate mm-hmm. their willingness to take risks and provide, it, it's, it's, and that's, again, I get that the media has convinced everybody that Trump is the devil, But I I think they're calling him the devil because he was actually representing some policies that were actually good for men. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I think I look at my life growing up because now women want these six figure white collar workers, you know. But what I saw growing up was a bunch of blue collar men Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like my neighbor. I believe he cut trees, but I would watch his wife stay at home all day, take care of the house. She made him homemade biscuits Mm. every (laughs) single day when he came home. He was a blue collar worker and they were happy, stayed together until death, you know, they parted. And so it's like now. Now women kind of want these feminine or effeminate men that are just sitting on the laptop and you know get their nails done and can go with them to the salon and it's like the the hard-working men it's like men have been cast to the side but I'm yeah. telling you
2: they want the fruits of all of the guys who do the labor that that we just had a hurricane come through Florida right. who's rebuilding those houses right and who's rebuilding all the linesmen right we're just Friends with somebody out here whose husband went down there from here, went down there, um, and our boyfriend say "And putting together the city, right? Devastated, and that happens everywhere. We got, we got." a rather impossible infrastructure Mm -hmm. everywhere that men have built. Exactly. He was talking about the skyscrapers, but it's not just that. Now, men have built the technology so that women could enter the workforce, right? Right? Mm -hmm. These laptops, all of these, it's like you go through history, who had all these innovations? Mm -hmm. It was men. And so we still have to keep this infrastructure up it's just like, well, we don't need men. Hey, set it up for us. <laughs> Give us your sperm. Mm-hmm. We don't need you. We need you, but we don't We don't want to mm-hmm. see you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they, they still want all the fruits of everything you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They just don't want them in the room. Mm-hmm.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, who's cutting the grass and who's building the houses and yeah. who's, who's putting out the fires and who's... And climbing
6: the telephone
7: yeah, poles yeah. and the yeah. electricity yeah. poles. Right.
6: Yeah, it's crazy because it's almost like men have bought into it, listening to what you were saying, Delano, mm-hmm. how... They will argue now for these things. I can remember being in Dallas and saying to this black guy who was you know, campaigning for BLM, like, BLM doesn't care about you. The only way they like a black man is when he's dead. Mm-hmm. He was ready to fight me. Mm-hmm. They had to call in security to actually take this man down because he was so upset that he wanted to push for an organization that didn't even care about him, wanted to dismantle the nuclear family, only wanted to push trans agenda, mm-hmm. and he wanted to fight me, a black woman, who was saying, black man, I think you're everything. You're more important than just being laid out in the street to push some type of agenda, but he was mad at me
3: for I, that. I've <laughs> often said, um, if we're to pull the root of feminism out of the American culture, it's gonna be harder to get it out of some men than it is some women. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of us have been acculturated this way. Mm-hmm. Many w- women, particularly nowadays, they know the deal. They see that they've been sold a bag of goods, a bill of goods, but it's the guys that are still saying, "No, nah, stay at home? Nah, man, she need to work, man. Right. And, and I was, me be transparent, me be transparent. <laughs> I, I was that way at one point, right? The first time my wife ever talked about potentially coming home, I, I knew she was saying it jokingly, but I was just, I was resistant to it because I was just like, no. You're a wage earner just like me. Get back in that, in that <laughs> office, girl. But then I, I, I just had to mature spiritually. And then I had to understand, is like, no, God has created this world and designed it in a particular way for it to work. All right? You you can use certain things outside of the design. All of us have probably gotten flat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've driven two, two and a half hours on a, on a spare tire. But I would never buy a car that way. Because right. Right. it's not designed. Exactly. You, you don't get optimal performance with it that way. Right. Right. But But... What the feminists told the women is that the best way to be a woman is to, is to imitate men. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if a, if a man, if there's a single income in a house and a man is earning it, it's likely that he's supporting his wife and his children. Mm-hmm. If there's a single income in a house and a woman is earning it, it's likely that there's no man in the house because mm-hmm. no woman in any part of history that I've ever heard of, has ever been taught from birth that your job is to support a grown man and your children no. together. Mm. So whenever she feels like that's her burden, she's going to say, well, why do I need you?
7: And right. gonna leave. See, when, you when you said that, though, you, you've got your experience. I look at my experience. My father died uh, mm. naturally While I, when I was two. I'm raised by my grandmothers and my mom. Mm-hmm. But even with that kind of upbringing until my mom remarries, my goal, I'm talking five, six years old. My goal is when I grow up and get married, Mm. I don't want my wife to have to work. Mm. That was my goal. coming, And and, and this is being raised early on by Mm -hmm. women. I'm looking at, man, because I saw how tired my granny was. Mm -hmm. I see how tired my mom is. I see. And it's like man, I gotta do, and you know, just like, you know, young boys were growing up, and, and if you're athletic, man, I'm gonna go to the league, Yeah, I'm taking care of, cause yeah. I don't, that, that's mentally the yeah. goal. But if we ever get generations, which I think they're slipping in now, but if we ever get generations where, like what Delano's saying, like, nah, you work, you know, when me and my wife got married, we were both working, but the goal in my mind, mm. you know, she wanted to work at the time, so it's like, that's what you wanna do, fine. But at the end of the day, this is my responsibility. I yes. got this. Yeah. And so when we had our first kid, you know, she's, you know, staying at home and taking care and then, you know, Fixing something to eat and mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. care of stuff. She's like, you know, I kind of, I kind of. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> and, and then it was, you know, she went back maybe a couple of months. And she's like, listen, babe, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Come yeah. on, and and it's, it, it. Did it take some adjusting? Sure, because you know, financially yeah. we're in a different yeah. spot, but. Yeah. Again, the mentality is that's my job. Yes. I'm supposed to yes. go out and kill the pig and bring it's it's home in the bacon. Yeah. That's the big yeah. thing, right? Yeah. It's like
2: yeah. we're trying to reprogram people against their own instincts. Yes. So yeah. it's an internal fight inside your own head forever. Right. It's okay. So I work. It's my job to provide. My wife mm-hmm. still works right now. Sure. We have a kid. But I'm telling you, we have since the moment we had our first child. My wife saw our daughter Haven and said, "All right, how do I get home? Yeah. <laughs> how, how do I stay home? I just, mm-hmm. I'm going to work." for a while but yeah. you know how are we going to do this because her motherly instinct kicked in it took yeah. 3 seconds yeah. there's the baby i want to stay home mm-hmm. how are we going to do this yeah
5: delano <laughs> asked a good question though have we been programmed in a generation particularly with black men that we don't even we don't think the way that you were thinking mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. and anthony i mean you're yeah. in a church dealing with a congregation a diverse group yeah. of people do, do you see that mind? cuz it's it's like men's instincts now tend to be well, what's she bringing to the table? Is she yes. bringing what I'm bringing to the yes. table, right. and and it, that's like a flawed way of thinking. She mm. better be bringing something completely different <laughs> to the table than you. Right. Yeah. but I'm not sure if we think that way. Sure. I, you
7: know, the the young guys i hear what is going on in culture but i'm trying to be proactive Mm. in programming it the right way Mm. so when we bring in our men you know we've talked about our men's retreat and stuff and i'm pairing these older men with younger men i'm letting them hear okay what happened in your generation that we're missing out of this generation. What were you doing then? And you get to hear older men talk about, yeah, you know, I know y'all looking at these music videos and y'all seeing these women and all this kind of stuff. He said, but when I really settled down in life, I was looking for who's gonna be best able to take care of the family, mm-hmm. you know, take care of the kids at home. Who's gonna be able to best help me In the vision that God has given me, Mm -hmm. that's what they need to hear, because after a while, you know, we all look good for a period of time, but things change. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But those values are what going to stand longer. And, And they, you know, they get to talk about it. Do you really want a woman who is going to I think about Dwayne Wade? Mm. Okay. No, I no wait. Listen, we gotta go there. For, for this reason. <laughs> Please do. Let me, let, me, yeah. bring up, let me bring up Job and I'll come right back to Dwayne So one of the things that was on Job's mind at that time, they didn't really have a, a deep concept of the afterlife. Mm. And the way that, you know, people felt at that time was the way that a man would live on is through his seed mm-hmm. like what else is coming out because i'm gonna die and and that's where you get the whole concept of you know naming him junior because he my name is gonna go on but what switches over in a man's mind Dwayne wade mm. to where you say you know what hey you do whatever you want mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you be whatever you want that's not that that's not and, and somebody in that house needs to be said wait a minute this mm-hmm. goes against god's order yep. this goes against Dwayne, what are you doing? Mm. But that's where it's happening. So I'm trying to answer your question, I'm trying to, you know, proactively program, not repro, but to program young guys into understanding what God's plan is for you and what you need to be looking for in the next generation. Young men that are being men, being ready to provide, profess, and to
2: protect. I'm going to give you a quick, quick example, because it'll be quick, I promise. Um, Michael Sam, guy I'm familiar with, yeah. he came out as gay when we were in college, mm-hmm. and I'm not um, telling you this is the proper way to handle something, because it's certainly not, but I'm telling you it's far more natural than what Dwayne Wade's doing. Michael Sam came out as gay, called his dad, and his dad basically hung up the phone and said Jack Youngblood would be turning in his grave. <laughs> All right. Again, not the way you handle it if you're trying to love your kid. But I'm telling you, it's a far more natural response than, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And and gay is one thing. Was certainly societally more acceptable uh, five, six years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was, mm. now than transgenderism. It's like, your son's a girl, and you're not, you're not just gonna encourage that, you're gonna become a trans activist now with your wife. Right. That's not a natural response. Again, I'm not telling you Michael have sure, that sure, doing things no, right, because he's not, but I'm telling that's a far more natural response to be like, yeah. no, 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 this ain't it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, to, to answer your question, Jason, <laughs> um, I, I've, I've seen a couple of the podcasts with like younger generation, let's say, mid-20s to early 30s, where they would be talking to young men. Um, and these are all young black folk. And the guy was asking the woman, what do you bring to the table? And, and she was saying, you know, I, mm-hmm. I can cook, and I can clean, and I can do this. He said, I could pay for somebody to do that. And I was thinking to myself, this guy is such a fool. He doesn't understand that there's a difference between a house and a home, mm-hmm. right? You can't pay somebody to make your house into a home. You can pay them to fold your clothes. Right. You can pay them to put away your dishes. But but he doesn't un- understand all of the things. And I'm not saying this is all women bring, but this is part of what women bring to uh, a situation. In, in the same way that they're... they're there are areas in which men would impose order and chaos, right? We drive down highways because at some point some guys got together and cleared the road, mm-hmm. and in the same way, a woman would take <clears throat> an empty house, mm-hmm. and I know this from experience. You got to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell a story <laughs> right? And and they'll turn that into a home, a place where he actually wants to come, but a, a lot of guys they don't they don't get that value, and honestly, we're so far gone, particularly in our culture, that. If I could just hear a guy say, you know what, I commit. I, I want to marry before having kids. And me and my wife, we're going to have dual incomes and we're going to provide for our, our kids. I'll say, look, I'll take that. Because a lot of guys nowadays are not even doing that. It's conscious co-parenting on both sides. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not even a conversation about marriage. Right. It's, it's kids, marriage, maybe, not working, OK, and then you meet another girl. My, my wife. Has knows some person, <laughs> and when she met this guy, they had, I think he had two kids by two different women, and then um, she had a child by him, and found out that he had another child by another woman. So he has four children by four different women, none of whom I assume he lives with. So that means he has to support five households if he's doing his bare minimum job. Right don't come talk to me about how, why we're not building
5: generational wealth.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. How you, you gonna do that? Out. You can't. You can't. You, can. you cannot. It, it don't matter how much money you make, Right. so.
5: We're going to pause this super serious conversation <laughs> okay. for a bit. Great job, everybody, but we're gonna lighten up the mood a little bit. Uh, Aaron Lewis, uh, the country rock singer, is gonna come out and join me and Chameka on set. Uh, mm-hmm. But w- before we do that, uh, People ask me all the time, what happened to Uncle Jimmy? Uncle Jimmy went to go do his own thing, but we still appreciate, love Uncle Jimmy. Here's one of his best skits, uh, when he impersonated Ben Crump, (laughs) and then when we come back, Aaron Lewis is gonna join us.
0: Have you made a mess of your life? Been in and out of the penile institution? Maybe you've been violated more than Kamala Harris at a Willie Brown bachelor party. Maybe you even strung out on meth, fentanyl, Oxycontin, or crack cocaine. Hi, my name is Benjamin Grump, lead ammo chaser at the law firm Grump, Jackson, and Shopton. We specialize in turning around the lives, legacies, and reputations of career criminal losers. Perhaps you may be familiar with the work we're done with the likes of George Floyd, Jacob Blake, or how about Rayshard Brooks, just to name a few of our satisfied customers. 10 of millions of Americans are unaware of their right to turn a routine traffic stop into a deadly confrontation that leaves their families flush with cash and turns the deceased into American heroes. Did you know that 99% of Americans make the mistake of actually complying with law enforcement? Huh? You don't ever have to make that mistake again. How, you may ask. I can describe it in three simple words. antihero. hero the complete legacy makeover from Grump, Jackson, and Sharpton. Our law firm will teach you the tricks of the trade that are sure to escalate your encounter with the police into a financial windfall for your entire surviving family. Antihero will supply you with expired registration tags, illegal window tint, and if you act now, we'll even provide a broken tail light. All the things you need to provoke a traffic stop. But wait, there's more. I will personally train you on the proper methods of cussing at the police, flashing a lethal weapon, and wearing the most menacing cornrows, teardrop tattoos, and throwing up gang signs. Maybe you're even untrained in resisting arrest. We have retained retired mixed martial artist Chuck Liddell. He's come on staff to teach takedown moves, rear naked chokes, and a spar, and even round kicks. But that's not all. For a small additional cut, I mean fee, Antihero can guarantee a social media campaign that includes say his name tweets from LeBron James, an NFL helmet decal worn by the steel curtain, Pittsburgh Steelers, and how about even a congressional defund the police legislation naming your honor? Wait, want a statue honoring your heroic life sacrifice? No problem. How about a 21-night riot salute organized by Antifa and Black Lives Matter? Anti-Hero has you covered, and it can all be yours. Plus... of the money we negotiate from the city, you can now rest in power knowing that your death financially benefited your biological mother and estranged father, boosted CNN and MSNBC TV ratings, justified nationwide looting, and most importantly, secured votes for the Democratic Party, plus, you can rest easy knowing you have helped finish paying our soft and back taxes and the mortgage on my summer home at Martha's Vineyard. To get your complete legacy makeover, call now at 1-800-ANTI-HERO. That's 1-800-ANTI-HERO. Call now.
5: Jason Whitlock, your fearless host. Uh, Very serious uh, first part of the show, deep discussion. Uh, I'm about four drinks into this Casa Gona, so I'm feeling a little lightheaded. So I figured we needed to lighten up the show and bring on the man that uh, turned my whole perspective on country music upside down. Uh, The only country music I was ever familiar with, was I went to a Kenny Chesney concert in the early two thousands. Woman I was dating was a Kenny Chesney fan. Took me to a concert. Thought it was okay. Uh, and then I moved here two years ago. And last year, I heard Aaron Lewis's song "Am I the Only One," and it rocked me the way that great R and B songs rock me. It 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 I, it just spoke to me and. and 20 different ways and I just listened to it over and over and over again, I was like, this is country music? <laughs> and then I started just like, oh, well, hold on, let me listen to it. if it can speak to me this way. So Aaron, I'm so honored uh, that you joined us today and uh, so inspired by your music, uh, by your patriotism. Uh, have well, let's just start there with the patriotism and just the stand you've taken in an industry that comes down really hard on people that are patriotic. Why did you do that
4: well i did certainly didn't do it for me because <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't necessarily reflected well. I did it because because I have kids because by design it's it's my turn to care and it's my turn to pay attention and i'm 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 taking on my role and responsibility <clears throat> as a a very caring citizen of this country that that believes in the foundations it was built upon it, it's it's my moral obligation at this point to make sure that the this country that my kids and our our grandkids are going to to inherit to then be the stewards of themselves you know i want to make sure that the country that my kids get is better than the country that i grew up in Mm. not worse and this is this is beyond explanation as to what's going on right now. I think it's God reminding us that that there is evil on this earth and, and we've lost sight of it a little bit, I think. It, it,
5: it's, I wouldn't say it's funny. It, that, that's the way I feel. And I don't have kids. But my childhood was so incredible mm-hmm. and so filled with hope and optimism. Mm-hmm. And the we're belief, about the same age. Yeah, and the belief that I could do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I had two black parents that were like, <laughs> you ain't facing nothing compared to what we face. You better go out there and get it. And I, 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 I tried to quit my college football team. I was on a full football scholarship. And both my parents were like, buddy, if you do that, you are on your own. <laughs> Uh, don't come here, and because there's, they were aware of how much opportunity there was out f- there for me, and I grew up very poor, Aaron. But it was magnificent. Mm-hmm. I don't have a bad memory from my childhood, and I grew up poor, and so I'm looking at people pretend like America is this evil place that's kill, you know killing all of our, and it just. It just blows my mind and I just don't want to see kids
4: grow up in this thing that they're trying to create. You can't take it as anything other than malicious. Mm -hmm. Like it's beyond, Oh, I guess we didn't really think that through very far. No, I think you thought it through way further than all of us are giving you credit for. And the downfall of the American civilization is completely on purpose and is being done by by a few people that hold most of the power yeah
6: I definitely understand you saying you're doing it for the kids because I feel like I could just say, you know what, I can live off the grid. I don't have to really be dealing with society. But my children, I'm like, I have to continue to fight so that my children and my grandchildren will actually have a, an America that I recognize or that feels kind of familiar. Like I had a good childhood, and one of the things I think we didn't have with our parents is my parent. My mother never told me I should hate America. And now it seems like there's so many kids now or people that hate America. My grandmother had a flag hanging in the house and it wasn't, oh, you know, you must be a Republican or anything. My grandma was a Democrat. She has been my whole life, but she still loved the country. And now it's like we're being taught or kids are being taught that America is such this evil place. It's so racist. You should hate it. They're burning flags. And if you're hanging one, you're a terrorist, and so that's crazy to me that they were actually, you know, that they're, they're teaching. And I believe what you're saying. I think they thought it, they thought about it long in advance before we even realized. There's no what other they were way to doing. take it. Yeah,
4: it, it, it It's so blatant and so obvious. There's no other way to take it than, than malicious and purposeful. These people aren't dumb. Right. They're not dumb people. They're they're stupid, <laughs> but they're not dumb. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing.
5: How has the music industry responded to your music and
4: the stance <laughs> you've taken? I mean, I don't get played on the radio. Oh, wow. At all. Mm.
6: Mm-mm. I was wondering I mean, about that.
4: Most... Uh, most media outlets out there, whether it be you know magazine or so or you know on the internet or whatever websites, they, they don't have very many nice things to say. I'm I'm all those things. Mm. I'm all those things that they categorize somebody who loves their country as
6: white supremacists.
4: All of it. Yep. Yeah.
6: <laughs> Domestic terrorist. Totally. Yeah, I was wondering about that because definitely in the black community you'll be considered a sellout. So I was wondering how is it for a country artist? You know, is it kind of the same thing where
4: I'm toxic. Yeah. You know, I I, I have I have issues getting artists that'll open up for me because whether they agree with me or not, their record labels don't. Oh wow. You know. Um Everything, everything culturally is, is is framed and narrated against us.
5: It, it, it's funny, the reason why your music and just coming here to Nashville, and why I connect with you is, you had major success with Sting. And it's been a while as a song, anybody that would hear, whether they like rock music or not, they're, oh, I remember that song, blah, blah. And so you had this other mainstream pop culture career that you were treated one way. And now that you come out as a patriot, (laughs) uh, you're treated a completely different way. And you were celebrated as the lead singer of Stained. And now you're a pariah as a guy that's singing a patriotic
4: song like, Am I the Only One? It's, uh, it's very interesting, (laughs) you know? It's, I, I I don't, I don't know what it is other than, than the, the infiltration of, of people that believe that this country needs to fail in pretty much everything. Mm. In pretty much everything. In the corporate world, in the entertainment world, all of those places that that hold power in our culture and in our society—they've all been infiltrated by people that don't believe that this country is the greatest experiment to ever exist as a as a nation, as a, as an entity. And throughout human history, there's there's no experiment that's been more successful. None.
5: So, there has to be some sort of upside and perhaps it's in the connection you have with your audience. Have you seen that become more intimate, more passion with your base, where it's like they recognize the sacrifice you've made to stand on your belief?
4: Oh, I definitely get Ten times the su- the support than the hate. That's good for sure. Um, it's still daunting, though. I mean, to know that that there's people out there that just hate me on the principle of disagreeing with my beliefs, and that they would hate me so much that they would want to see me lose everything just to shut me up. Right. That's uh. It's daunting as a, as somebody that depends on on a narrative of its own to to continue doing what I do. You know what I mean? Like it it, <clears throat> it can be a very uncomfortable situation. It's probably why I drink as much as I do on stage.
5: <laughs>
4: which which
6: song came first? Am I the only one, or is it Everybody Talks to God? Um that kind of feels like a, just a am I the only the one came first.
4: Feet. Yeah. Uh Everybody Talks to God is a song that that a friend of mine that I write with a lot, Chris Wallen and a buddy of his wrote. And uh and I heard it and that song had been kicking around Nashville for over twenty years. Oh wow. And no one had recorded it. Everybody was afraid to record it because it was it took too much of a positive stance on on religion and mm-hmm. believing in God. And, and it has literally kicked around Nashville for 20 years. And yeah. I heard it and I was like, I cannot believe no one has recorded the song yet.
6: Yeah, it almost feels like, you know, with maybe all of the backlash that you receive from Am I the Only One, it's pretty much like you're telling people, like, you're gonna have to talk to God one day, whether it's, you know, you- Listen,
4: I'm, I'm no saint. <laughs> I yeah. know I'm gonna have to have that conversation with God, and that's between me and God. Um, but to think that that conversation isn't gonna happen.
5: Right. <laughs> the, what? do you have another, am I the only ones about a year old now? No. Is there another one in the works? Another, There's a couple. what's next?
4: There's a couple. There, there, actually, the, the, the couple that I'm referring to is, it's out there. Um, I had a, a good, eventful and prosperous evening, I mean, weekend with my buddy Bobby Pinson. And he came out for the weekend with me on the bus and we wrote three or four songs and, and two of them I've played already and they're recorded and they're, they're not recorded officially, but they're recorded and they're out there. Um, I did a a performance at at Country Rebel that's on YouTube for one of them, and and the other one is is out on on YouTube just from people filming it when I play it, but uh, there's one called If It Were Up To Me, and that's the one that I did at Country Rebel, and then there's one called I Ain't Made In China, because I'm not. Is that an ode to LeBron James, perhaps? but uh, they'll keep coming. It's how I feel. I can't... I've always been very honest and forthright and expressed my my deepest, darkest feelings in all of my songs, and uh, and that hasn't changed. I just... Those deep, dark feelings aren't quite as important as, as these feelings that I'm feeling these days that... Uh, that the outcome will affect generations to come
5: well i don't want you to out anybody but be as honest as you can what percentage of country music artists rock artists probably agree with you but
4: just don't have the balls to say it mm. probably 30 40%
5: that low.
4: Yeah. Yeah, wow. a lot of I uh, thought you were going
5: to say 90.
4: <laughs> no, a, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the entertainment industry is is really really drunk on the Kool-Aid. Mm. Just so indoctrinated in the culture of it all. How I mean, it's it's virtue signaling to such an extreme to make up for how much of a piece of shit they are in real life.
6: Oh wow! Huh. So the rumors of like Satan worship when it comes
4: to oh I don't know. know. <laughs> you know I'll tell you what I have spent as little time in the the havens and bastions of that type of stuff mm-hmm. as I possibly could throughout my whole career. I hate L.A. Okay. I hate Hollywood. I hate being there. I never spent any more time than I actually had to in those places, Hollywood, New York City, like the meccas of it, of, of the destruction and the downfall, if you right. will. I, I, I never felt at home there. I never felt comfortable there. I never felt like I wanted to be there ever.
5: Yeah, you just built different. Where are you from?
4: I like trees. Me too. I That's like why I don't like New York. And mountains and, <laughs> and the minimal city. people.
6: Yes. You know,
4: I, I like my space. Get the F
5: away from me. You told me you were from Vermont. Is I grew up in Vermont. Is that from the Vermont upbringing or where did that? I mean,
4: I've, I've, I never really straight up lived in a big city until, in, until I was older. I mean, I, that's, I always knew rural country life. That was always my comfort zone, I, you know. Still to this day, I'd rather be out on my bass boat fishing than, than anywhere else in the middle of the lake away from as many people as possible. That's
5: what like, people don't get about me, and I don't, uh, I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about me, but like, I grew up on my father's bar stool talking to factory workers <laughs> and mailmen, and that's who I'm most comfortable around. I don't. I, I. I didn't know it until I was older, but I can't stand elites, and uh, I like people that you know. Got average grades in high school. Yeah, uh, just regular people.
4: <laughs> yes, it's, just regular people. I. I. I'd be. I'd be willing to argue that. That most of our, highly educated elites. Have the street mark the street smarts of a thumbtack right <laughs> like there's a difference between book intelligence and life intelligence, and one is wisdom and one is regurgitation mm-hmm. I can read a hundred books and read them enough times to to Know all the words that are in there to be able to recite them verbatim on command. I, I could do that But that's not That's not wisdom, right? That's not intelligence It's yeah. regurgitation
6: that sounds like a guy that had just gotten out of prison and he was trying to impress me and he was like, well, do you know this word? And I was thinking, you've been in prison. That's all you have time to do is read. I'm not
8: impressed
6: because <laughs> you can repeat that, you know.
5: <laughs> you know what? I, I the, My blessing is and the blessing of the people I tend to like is we never got enough book sense to think we were smarter than God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I look at, that's what I see from these people. They got so much book sense, they think they're smarter than God, which makes them retarded. And I still use the word retarded, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't care.
4: Okay. <laughs> I don't either.
5: <laughs> Thank you so much, Aaron, for coming by. Uh, you, you, I'm sitting here, you remind me of Steve Ford, has been a great friend of mine since I moved here to Nashville. You're cut from the same cloth, man. We love you, love your Thank music, you, love what you stand for. It was great to talk to you. It's good to talk to you. All right, uh, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back, Nick is gonna be here. Before we come back though, I'm gonna let you take a couple more looks at some other video skits we've done. Uh, I think this is me talking about my college eligibility, and uh, I think Butter and Uncle Jimmy uh did a good ranchers music video i think we'll play that then we'll come back nick searcy will be on set with us next good evening i just want to start off by thanking god for these past 54 years at mcdonald's wendy's popeyes taco bell burger king these incredible establishments have always made me feel at home and welcome to the young men and women who have greeted me at the drive through window or in-store counter. I can't thank you enough for the prompt service, the willingness to accommodate my special requests, and occasionally sliding me a large fry when I could only afford a medium order. To my boys who were always down for a late night run to get a meal after a night of drinking, or when we had had the munchies after some good dank, <laughs> I will never forget you. Nook Nook, Bic Ron, Little Shiesty, we did the damn thing every Thursday night at Old Country Buffet. And last, but certainly not least, I would like to give a special shout out to Ollie Gates and the entire Gates Barbecue family in Kansas City. Everybody knows my man boobs would still be B-cups if not for the way you nurtured me for 16 years. With all that being said, After talking it over with my family, consulting with my tailor, Troy McSwain, checking my cholesterol level and blood sugar, I'm declaring to commit to eating Good Rancher's 100% farm-raised American beef, chicken and seafood in 2022. Good Rancher's meat will satisfy my spoiled taste buds and allow me to continue to lose weight while supporting American farmers. Thank you all so much. Big Sexy, out!
0: Hey, 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 what's up, bunks? Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, what you popping on? Oh, I man, you know how I do, man. I'm sitting up here, got this Good Rancher jumping off. Yeah. You know how I do, what man. Are those burgers? Burgers? <laughs> them, is, them is good old-fashioned American Wagyu steak burgers. Boy, yeah, you better watch your mouth. Hey I man, let me tell you something, something about this Good ranch I don't know. This Good is put a song in my heart. Make me want to sing, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Trying to make it look like rock stars out here with this grill. What we should do, we ought to come up with a little song, a little something, pitch to the Good Ranches people. See if we can come up with something. What are you thinking, man? What kind of song? I don't know, we man. We, we ought to come up with a little jingle or something, man. Something to put a little... Something, something. To, I don't know, man. Maybe something like... A, We got the grill on lockdown. All fired up so you better get ready now. We got the party started. I bet you're getting hungry. We got that black angus bone in the ribeyes, New York strips, and top sirloins. Even got the wagyu, chicken, and the seafood. Cause everything we do is farm-raised in American heartland. We're cutting costs, cause we're cutting out the middleman. Ship fresh to you. Hand trimmed, hand cut, that's what we do. Got a lot of good folks all around this country working their jobs, coming home hungry. We guarantee only the best for your family. Yeah We bring the meat, you make the memory Good ranchers, good ranchers,
1: good ranchers, we're good ranchers. Uncle Jimmy! Uncle Jimmy! (laughs) Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
5: Jason Whitlock, your fearless host, Shamika Michelle here with me. Uh, you know what, Nick Searcy is joining us, the actor from one of my favorite TV shows, Justified lives here in Nashville part-time. Nick, I gotta be honest with you, the number one reason I invited you was I knew that you liked good wine, <laughs> and so I, I had an excuse to open a bottle of Opus One, Oh yeah. and I've lied and told everybody, like, I got this for Nick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I got this for me.
8: Well, Um, I appreciate
5: you you. sharing it with me. And and Nick's a little beta. When I asked him what he likes to drink, he told me Cosmopolitans. No. uh, (laughs) I said
8: martinis
5: and wine. Martinis and wine. Oh, so you're one of those betas. So I I broke out the Mm -hmm. wine for Nick. Uh... But, I, Nick, I got to be honest with you, I love this.
8: Yeah. Uh, well, old age and whiskey don't mix, I've found. It's just... hey, well,
5: you know, I'm 55, so I'm getting there, too. Yeah. You'll, you'll you, catch up. I got this tequila here, <laughs> Casa de that's It's also, I don't know if you ever had that, but it's also special. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Nick's here because Nick uh, is one of these conservative actors that
8: came out of the closet and, <laughs> like... I did think you I blow might have been your whole career, or what? what I it... was too dumb to ever be in the closet. I think I, oh. didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to. Mm. So there by was the, a
5: time when you could actually.
8: Yeah, I mean, by the time I figured it out, you know, it was kind of too late, and everybody knew, and then I just looked like a fool. Like a, you know, they already knew what I what I thought about things, so.
5: It's fun, I, I ran into Nick a couple of weeks ago at Candace Owens' documentary uh, premiere here in Nashville. I did not know that you lived here in Nashville. Uh, and then I was like, Nick, that, you know, I saw you in Terror on the Prairie, I knew that, but I was like, man, you were on some show that I love. And then Nick justified. Yeah. And you were art on just for, just fine. I watched it all. Love probably the first five seasons of it, maybe how old was it? Seven it's seasons? Six seasons. Six seasons. Okay, first five seasons, love. Last season I was kinda out on, but I love that show. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, but man, when when you came out of the closet as a conservative, you came all you done put together a documentary <laughs> on January the sixth. Yeah. I watched it today. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Oh,
8: thanks. Yeah, Capital really- Punishment is the name of it. I figured that would get me a lot more work in Hollywood if I put it <laughs> out. Right. It didn't really work out that way.
6: Yeah, and it's really good.
5: Go, the gist of Capital Punishment, go ahead.
8: Well, it's, it's a bit, you know, I was there. Uh, my friend Chris was there, the guy who I made the film with, and we weren't there necessarily to make a film, but we just went because we wanted to be there and see what happened that day and whatever. And so as the news reports came out about what happened that day, it wasn't like anything that we experienced by being there. And we just began to realize there's a whole other side of the story that the media is not telling you. And in fact, they're lying to you about it. So we, uh, we found somebody to uh, give, us, give us the money and we started putting it together.
5: And what
8: has been the reaction? To that. Well, for people who see it, I mean, it's really shocking to see a lot of the a lot of the film has to do with people who were there on January 6th who never went in the building, stood outside, and how the FBI has beaten down their doors and treated them like serial killers and, and drug cartel leaders just for showing up that day. And. You know, most of the reaction to it is that you you can't believe that this is happening in America, that the the FBI and the Department of Justice is treating these people this way. And so, you make the decision to
5: wear your political beliefs on your sleeve. How has Hollywood reacted to that?
8: Well, it's a lot quieter at my house. (laughs) I don't hear from as many people. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I, after January sixth happened, um, about six days after it happened, I got I was at home. I was back in North Carolina visiting my my parents, and my agent at that time called me, and he said, "I got to ask you a question. Were you inside? Did you go in the building?" I said, "No." Why? He said, "Well, there's a casting director here and." In Los Angeles, that's been passing your picture around and saying that this is Nick Cersei, and we should never, ever hire him ever again. Wow! And I go, who is this? Who is this person? And it was somebody that I knew. It was somebody that I'd known for 20 years. And somebody I had their phone number. <laughs> you know, I called them up and go, What are you doing? And she she said, Well, I would never do anything to hurt your career. I go, What well, you, you kind of already did. Right. You know, I mean, that's not me. You're going to call all these people and tell them that's not me? You know, but but that's kind of the attitude there is like even my agent who said he wouldn't watch the film. He wouldn't watch the film that I might... Like, Sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> my wife that's called. That's my agent. Live that's TV. the problem with live TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, my mother calling. Uh. But he wouldn't watch the film. He said, you know, I'm not going to watch that. That's a film about the insurrection and I don't want to know anything else about it. And it's like that's the problem with Hollywood. They, there are a lot of people in Hollywood. They want to demonize me and everybody else who disagrees with them to the point that won't, they won't even hear the other side. Right. They don't want to listen. Could you, if Justified was looking for art right now, would you get that job? Maybe. I mean, I did know those guys. You know, I mean, Graham Yost was an old friend, and I had worked with him on from the Earth to the moon a long time ago and for 15 years i had been emailing him and going I thought we were friends you know I thought you liked me what, what you keep doing all these shows and so finally when Justified came around he said "I finally I'm gonna give this one to Nick so he'll just shut up you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no I know what you're saying it's a uh, you know in all honesty probably not I mean I've done a lot of work since Justified went off the air but a lot of it has been with like-minded people a lot of it's not been with my old uh hollywood uh, connections you know so so is that life probably in your rearview mirror no not completely i mean i've got a movie coming out in december with nicholas cage that i did called the old way um i've got a part in a movie called uh, reagan which is about reagan dennis quaid plays reagan that'll come out early next year and i'm putting together a movie now that i might direct that's not a documentary it's a feature film and so it's not over i mean it's just uh, you know it's uh, it's went down the number of people that want to work with me but it doesn't mean i'm dead in the water and that's what i keep telling everybody i said you, you know we have to stop being afraid of these people mm-hmm. i mean you know if they don't want to work with me because they disagree with my politics then okay but if you keep letting them bully you into silence nothing's ever going to change. And they're going to keep getting away with it. So have you always been a political conservative? Probably since since my child was born in 1989. I mean, in, in 1982, I moved to New York to try to be an actor. And so I wasn't really paying much attention to politics. I was just sort of pursuing my career and trying to get in a play or whatever. But when my child was born, we had moved back down to North Carolina to have to, to have the baby, and I started auditioning for things there. And that was when the Clarence Thomas hearings were on, and that was when I discovered Rush Limbaugh and these old long drives to auditions and stuff. And that's where I started realizing, okay, I'm, I agree with that guy. So that's, yeah, I, I sort of realized around then. I was probably thirty. I, I just
5: asked uh, Aaron this question and I was surprised by the answer, Uh, so you'll probably surprise me here as well. What percentage of the people in Hollywood, actors that you know or friends with or whatever, what percentage of them do you think share your point of view but just don't have the balls to express
8: them? I don't know if I could put it in a percentage, but I can say there's an awful lot of them. There's an awful lot of guys that I know, and it's, it's people you would know their faces if not their names. Some of them you'd know their names. But a lot of them say to me things like, you know, I agree with you, but I, if I said something like that, it would affect my ability to provide for my family, and I've got to keep my mouth shut. And a lot of them are... Couple, two or three of them are black conservatives, which is really tough, you know, mm. if you're in oh, Hollywood, really yeah. you know. yeah. So, <laughs>
5: oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do you know Shamika? That's what I'm, 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 I'm at this Candace Owens premiere, and he goes, oh, I'm great friends with Shamika, and I go, Shamika knows everybody i met at that Candace Owens deal. Uh, you know I'm good friends with Shamika, and I was like, Shamika knows everybody. That's right, everybody's
8: good friends with Shamika.
5: How do y'all know, How, what's the connection?
6: Well, we met probably, first of all, maybe online, but he did the podcast, Cut the Bull. And so I actually was there on January 6th. And so when
5: I... Hold it! That's the first time.
6: Really? Yeah, that's the
0: first time hearing that.
8: (laughs) But you were cold and you didn't come out, right? Well,
6: I was cold and so I didn't (laughs) stay out there the entire time. I was supposed to speak. I was on the same platform with Simone Gold, who actually got arrested and did time. So I when I saw Capital Punishment and getting to talk to Nick, I appreciated seeing the different side because that was one of the things that had really been irritating me is that everybody thought it was what the media was putting out. And I'm like, first of all, I wouldn't even be in a situation where I would have to worry about somebody lynching me or, you know, and there, you know, it's like no there were a lot of people there singing and holding hands and just having great conversations. And so capital punishment actually was the view that I had of January 6th. And so I was so excited when he did the podcast because I'm like, that's what I saw. That's what I experienced. And yeah, I got cold once we realized that the uh, speeches weren't going to go on. I left, but the way people were calling, like, oh my God, why are you there? And I'm thinking, what do you mean? But in the weeks to come, after I saw exactly how the media was spinning it, I'm like, that's not what I experienced. That's not what I saw. But capital punishment actually gives the the right perspective.
8: One of the biggest lies they tell is that, you know, they they make it look like it's only that sliver of stuff that happened at the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. There were probably 2 million people there. Yes. And most of them were singing hymns and praying for the country and mm-hmm. saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Very patriotic people. Yes. People of all colors and races. And yep. you know, Chinese Americans for Trump. And, it was. and you know, I mean it was it was a great crowd. Nuns I had a for great Trump. Time. Like
6: it was so many different groups there that I'm like, wow, the nuns and yeah,
8: the, nuns, yeah. the
6: the Asians, you know, they yeah. were really, you know, having a conversation with me like, you don't want this country to be communist, you know, yeah. and it's like we were all there having a good time getting together, but that's not what the um, media shows no, at all. No, they don't
8: want you to see that.
6: Yeah, it was just a bunch of white supremacists. Right. Yeah.
5: That <laughs> stormed the Capitol. And right. that is the thing that came across in your documentary is, again, this story. I didn't know until today, till I watched your documentary, two, three million people were there? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. And, and your documentary did a great job of showing that like no this was everybody black latino italian Mm -hmm. asian there was some woman that had to be muslim she was wearing a a that that it was everybody and then you pointed out someone talked on camera like well hold on cnn and none of the television networks were there actually covering Everybody covered what happened at the Capitol in the aftermath, like they were tipped off. Like, yeah. <laughs> how did they know they were supposed to be there and yeah. not everywhere else? And not, you know? Yeah, not where the actual two million people were. And so, someone said in there that was true. This was like a fiery, mostly peaceful protest, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, it, and it was. And you know, I'm one of these nut jobs. And again, I'm a nut job, but I sincerely, I don't have a problem with the people that walked into the Capitol. I'm just sorry, I don't. I don't have a problem with Ashley Babbitt. That was, it. you dang near made me cry Mm -hmm. today, looking at the story of Ashley Babbitt, and the woman was murdered by a coward or someone that was paid to murder somebody. I, I don't know what the truth is.
8: He's either a coward or he was paid to murder somebody so they could have a body. I think they wanted more bodies that day, really. Yes. Um, but one of the things that has come out since we finished the film is that we found additional footage. There's a guy named Taylor Hanson out of Texas who was in the hallway with, when that happened with Ashley Babbitt. And his footage shows a different angle, and it shows that Ashley Babbitt was in that hallway trying to stop the people from breaking the windows. Mm, she was yelling at them to stop. She was telling the police they need more reinforcements. She actually slugs one guy who's breaking the window. And this guy's name is Zachary Allam. It turns out that he's a Antifa, you know, activist. She actually has a confrontation with him. So this whole narrative that Ashley Babbitt was some crazed Trump supporter in there trying to break <laughs> down the door and attack Congress is completely alive. She was in that hallway trying to stop them from breaking down the doors, and the people doing a lot of the breaking were not Trump supporters. They were activists. Nick? So now I'm a nut nutjob. Uh, well, <laughs> I am certainly am.
5: <laughs> I've <laughs> been a
6: nutjob yeah, my whole life. <laughs> I,
5: didn't, I didn't know you went to January 6 I'm jealous of all the people that went to January 6th. It's, it's like, it was really cold. It, it was. It's, yeah, maybe it was too cold for me, but I wish I was there, because it, it's like, that's the thing I regret. Now, it's like some people are saying, I voted for Obama, the first black president. I wish I had been at the insurrection, and I wish the FBI would come knock on my door. I, I damn near, it, it sounds crazy, but I almost wish I was a political prisoner. It'd be a hell of a book. Uh, I don't want to be in jail, and I pray for the people that are in jail, and I'm upset that we're not doing more to uh, free these people that are in jail. I want to put that on the record, but I, I wish I had been there on January 6th. I probably wouldn't have went into the Capitol. I would have just gone and heard the speeches and took my tired old ass home, but I wish I had been there. I wanted, I would needed that on my resume. Uh, it's like Crispus Addicts is a hero because he died in support of a cause that I believe in and anyway, yeah. I, I just, I'm a Nick. I'm so a priest of you. I don't mind uh, blowing a $500 bottle of wine on a beta male like yourself. Well, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go beta, go big. <laughs> Enjoy the wine. We'll have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'd love to come back. Oh, love, yeah. love having you love justified. Uh, what's what's my guy's name that, that was the star of Justified, Walter Coggins? Is that right? Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. But yeah. I was the star. Walton right, Goggins. Right. You, you got to keep it. I go way he, back with he Walton He was the God. bad guy. Mm-hmm. Did you watch The Shield? <laughs> yeah. Did you? The Shield is, yeah. and I'm, I used to be friends show. with, I don't want to say this guy's name. I'll probably get in trouble. He's probably a hardcore leftist. But Sean Ryan, the creator of The Shield, mm-hmm. love that guy. He's probably a leftist. Don't blame him for any of my thoughts. I'm sure he's a leftist, but The Shield's one of my favorite shows, and that's where I discovered Walton Coggan, and that's why I watched Justified. It was a terrific show. Uh, you were great as Art. It was awesome. Uh, I may rewatch that. I rewatch a lot
8: because the new TV I can't watch. It's too. Walton. No, no, it's 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 kind of dumb. And and that's another thing. You know, I still have an agent, and they send me stuff, and a lot of times I just look at it and go. I don't want to do that. You know, it's like, what do you think of Michael Rappaport? Me me and Mike, I would consider friends, but my God is he a loony left.
2: Oh, I consider he's... Michael a
8: friend too. His son and uh, my son were playing uh like basketball, you know, little kid basketball yeah. uh at the same time and yeah, I've talked to him a few times. I mean, I get along with him. His his political stuff is is he's ridiculous, nutty. but he's yeah. nutty. he's nutty. But
5: I like I like Mike. He says a lot of nutty stuff, Mike. I don't want to know. I don't well,
8: want I to even, consider that. I think that of that as him auditioning. That's kind of how you audition <laughs> in Hollywood now. He's come out really hardcore <laughs> left and They go, hey, what about that guy? Right. He'd be good in that show.
5: All <laughs> right. Uh, when we come back, Bryson Gray is going to join the panel. We're going to bring Delano and Anthony back out here. Bryson Gray is going to join us. Uh, but before we do that, did you guys catch it when Uncle Jimmy interviewed Will Smith after the slap? If you didn't catch it, we'll show you now. Bryson Gray, next. Will,
1: let's get right to it. Do you regret your actions at the Oscars? I'm not a man prone to regrets, you know. Why'd you do it? Yeah, yeah, I I think there's always uh, an aspect of us that when we feel unloved, you know, in any capacity, in any relationship, when we feel unloved, uh, when we feel mistreated, when we feel uh, somehow disrespected, um, it's a natural reaction to want revenge. And I think that's what happens with most people, specifically in in our most vulnerable stages when we're children, and we have been, done anything to deserve that kind of treatment, um, it's really hard for the ego to not click into revenge.
0: Is it safe to say that you were a Lion King on the prowl the night of the Oscars,
1: per se? (laughs) Easy, easy, Tiger. Your performance at the Oscars was a far cry from your days of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Where'd you learn all of this vicious behavior from? I think that's a, that um, is a a part of my DNA, you know? Really? Um, Part of it from difficult aspects of my childhood. You know, I I grew up with violence in my home, you know? So um, I developed, you know, a really acute emotional sense, you know, out of defense. You know, I just needed to make sure that my father was okay. I needed to make sure things were going well, and I just became really hypersensitive. But that Will Smith is not the nice guy that uh, America's come to love, is it? We can win, or I can be nice. Hmm. Pick one. It was military-minded, scorched earth. Now, Will, as you know, people say that this whole thing was Jada's idea. Just what exactly did Jada say to you prior to you walking up on stage and confronting Chris? You're gonna be the hammer of justice. <laughs> he was military-minded. Okay. All right. You achieved the mission. And there's two possibilities. When I give you a mission, there's two possibilities. One, you complete the mission, or two, you're dead. Now, weren't you a little extreme? And you can learn something from the extremes also, right? Yeah. And when you, when you look at um the athletes right there's a certain extreme mindset so you and jada like that mindset we worship that mindset when did you first realize that you were going to have a problem with jada and other men just what exactly was she doing uh bringing homeless people into our house when we were little and washing them in our bathtub. I thought that was the nastiest thing. Oh! I mean, ah! But she would be in the bathroom with her hands washing homeless people. Now, you've got to tell me, how did you come to peace with her bathing other men? As I grew older, I just I just saw how dedicated and devoted she was to living her life in service. We've heard, but could you elaborate on what Demsel Washington said to you after you slapped Chris Rock? He said, hey man, listen, listen, listen. The way you make a woman love you, to make a woman love you, you you take out the dinner, you know, and then as you are going out to place, you just knock somebody out because a woman got to know you could defend her. You just knock somebody out. And if you knock, her, if you knock, her, I mean, it could be a stranger. But you just, you just knock somebody out and she see your strength and that's how she'll feel confident. And it changes everything. It changed your sexual life. It just changed everything about her. But you, really, you got to get them good and just knock somebody out. Now that surprises me. What did he say to you about you cursing it, Chris? Um, dear Willard truly intelligent people do not have to use words like this to express themselves. Uh, God has given you the gift of words. Shut the front door. Be sure to use those words to uplift people.
5: <laughs> Welcome back. Jason Whitlock here, your host of The Cookout and Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Thank you for tuning in to this special edition of Fearless with Jason Willock, the cookout edition. Uh, we've invited uh, Delano Squires, Shamika Michelle, T.J. Moles been here, Pastor Anthony Walker. Uh, now we're bringing on Bryson Gray. T.J.'s off eating, drinking, doing whatever we do at a cookout. Uh, Bryson Gray, you guys know him. He's been on the show. You know him from Let's Go Brandy. You know him as a Christian uh, rapper and a biblical scholar. I almost want to make have a contest here and have Bryson, Anthony, and uh, Delano go scripture for scripture. Well, Shamika, you could probably go scripture for scripture with them as well. I'm the only one that can't do it. Uh, but man, Bryson's a student of the Torah, the Bible, and everything else. The, you know the Quran as well. Nah, I know a little bit of Quran. Oh, okay. Uh, well, anyway, we are going to uh, button our conversation uh, today by talking about. Uh, I was picking up a conversation Delano and, I had, Delano and I had on Friday about Killer Mike and his interview with Charlamagne Tha God, I think on Comedy Central, and it raised the question for me, uh, are black men starting to tire of the matriarchal culture uh, that we have going on, particularly, it's across all of America, across all demographics, but it's most pronounced, most acute, in black America. We have a culture dominated by women and it feels like what I'm hearing from Killer Mike, the rapper from Atlanta, the Bernie bro, uh, his meeting with Brian Kemp, the governor of Atlanta, his somewhat praise of Brian Kemp on Charlemagne's show is an indication that perhaps uh, black men are starting to be a little bit weary and starting to figure out that this matriarchal culture that we have bought into actually doesn't work for us. And so uh, we'll start with Bryson, get us rolling, and and then you guys, now guys, I've, I've had some tequila, I've had some wine. Uh, I'm trying to show some discipline here, so help me out here. Uh, but anyway, you guys, uh, Bryson, you start us off do, do you feel like we're starting to wake up that, you know, as men, our job, our responsibility is to be leaders and perhaps we shouldn't take this secondary role that's been given us? Correct, and you can tell in culture.
9: I look up the few cultural phenomena we've had in the last year and a half. You have Kevin Samuels, you have a fresh and fit kind of cringe, but also there's a reason that that culture there's like a, what is it called? Red Pill, I think it's called the Red Pill community, mm-hmm. whatever they're right. called. There's a reason why that's so popular, right? Because that's, that's how men really truly feel, but they need somebody to be that outlet to, you know what I'm saying, to say it for them. Uh, even Andrew Tate, why do you think he got so popular? Because this is what people truly believe, but you know, w- when it's culture, you can't say anything about feminism or women because you
5: can get banned or, you know, attacked by the mob. The, the What you're talking about, I'm wondering if you, there's something in, on the internet called the Manosphere. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. And yeah. Yeah. It, that's what I'm starting. Kevin Samuels was a representative mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of your music is a representative of that. True. Sure. The Manosphere right. is starting to take whole.
6: Yeah, and I agree with Bryson. I think that's what men truly believe, but some of them are afraid to say. Like, I interviewed a few men preparing for the book that I'm writing, and it was almost like I would have to talk to them 30 or 45 minutes just to get them to say what they actually Mm -hmm. wanted from a woman. You know, like, I want somebody that believes in me. And I'm thinking... have got this in the first five minutes if you were comfortable saying what you really actually wanted but yeah so many people are afraid because we have this matriarchal culture and it's like they don't really want to say it so they'll listen kevin samuels i mean he shot to a million on youtube like very fast because people are hungry for that type of stuff but
3: they watch it quietly
9: (laughs) they
3: gonna let you know about it right yeah i mean i I don't. I think some guys are getting tired of it, but a lot of guys are comfortable where they are, right? I said in my column the other day, when when Tiffany Cross, the host on MSNBC, made that comment about black men getting in line behind mm-hmm. black women to vote for Stacey Abrams, there were three black men on that panel. None of them said a word, and and there was zero chance that any of them would say a word, <laughs> right? <to> in <laughs> any slight even the slightest pushback to say, oh, well, Tiffany, what, what do you mean get in line? I mean, black men are voters and they have interests and sometimes their interests may not line up with your interests. But a, a lot of guys on that side, um, and, and still, again, the second most loyal demographic to, to Democrats behind black women is black men. So it's a, a lot of guys, I think, are not ready to move because th- that's, that's what they know. This, this particular way of thinking, the way our... Um, our culture community is set up is what they know and they think that they have power and influence and and are leading. And many of them, uh, plenty of guys, you know, they're married, they have their kids, they lead their families. I'm not saying that, that, that they don't do that, but when it comes to sort of the leadership structure in black America, yeah, the head of the NAACP may be a man, but you and I, all of us know that there's certain things that when they happen in the culture, you already know some guys are not gonna speak up.
5: Right. You know what I mean? He, Delano, here's why I would disagree with you. Okay. Is I I think a lot of men are dissatisfied but feel like if they say what they think, they're gonna lose access to the black woman. And and you know, they're you can belittle them and call them eunuchs, or you can call them just survivors that they like black women, they don't wanna be outside the culture, the Essence Festival, whatever. They don't don't wanna get those cards pulled. Anthony, I wanna bring you into it just because you, I know you do some ministry and Mm -hmm. retreats for men. What are you hearing from men as it relates to, hey, what should my role be? What should, what are you ministering to men about, and what questions are they asking? When you
7: said when you said survivor, I, I, I hear that. Um, I think what's happening with a lot of black men as it relates to their kids and their legacy, they're getting to a place, and this is slight pushback to what Delana was saying, they're getting to a place where it's like, okay, maybe they're not voting. A particular way mm-hmm. they may be pulling out and just say, okay I'm just hey my kid we ain't gonna do this mm. so it's not we're gonna keep supporting this is just we're not gonna do this we, we're gonna pull back and they're starting to step up to Nah, you know, my son or my daughter, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it's not. So, the whole, you know, I'm sending you a mama and, and, and they just keep doing, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. we're pulling out. Yeah. And so, when you talk about retreats and stuff, one of the things that happens at our retreats is you're getting more father and son. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go together. Because at least, you know, I, I may not have it all together. And that's where you, I think you've been mentioning more about, you know, men who have some flaws. So, you got guys who, Yeah, they may have two or three kids with two or three different women. And and that kind of deal kind of makes them hold back to, uh, I don't know, but I'm starting in my circles at least to see, hey, you know what? I'm going to step up. Mm -hmm. Now I need to get rights to to where I can go see. I'm I'm, I'm counseling guys that that's what, how do I need to go about this? Because I want custody back. Mm -hmm. I want to, at least in those steps, it may not be political right now. So it may not be on the demographic line but I'm seeing a strong move in my circles from the Nick Cannon kind of stuff.
5: That's what what I sense. And I think it's consistent with the message we're talking. I don't think voting is as important as just like, well, hold on, let me, even if I can't vote right now because I'm trying to survive, Mm -hmm. let me at least say, you know what, baby, this is what's best for me and the family and for this boy we created and the whole purpose of our show does you know i bend over backwards to platform guys like you and delano that have families or whatever but i'm also trying to say to the flawed guys with two and three baby mamas Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can stand up too yes i know you made all them mistakes Yes, I tr- I, that's why I sit and talk about all of my mistakes, but for the grace of God, I could be out there with two or three babies just like you. You can still stand up and, and this has gone too far. And th- again, it's, I'm not bragging, I'm not proud of the fact I've never voted, but I'm trying to say to people, even if you don't vote, just take a look, this is too far. And that's yeah. what I feel like I'm sensing a lot. Of so let me, let me make a, a couple of distinctions. I think there's a, what I'm saying is there's
3: a distinction between what we see in our everyday lives, what we see in the barbershop, what we see at church, what we see, you know, when you're in your neighborhood, and the things that are going on sort of in the, the sort of leadership power structure within the black community. Okay. So in, in terms of the culture, in media, in music, in, in finance, in Got terms you. of athletes and entertainers and politicians and the most notable preachers. They, they occupy a different space and part of what they do is say, okay, these are the things that we're going to say are important to us as a community. These are the, the, the policies or these are the ideas we're gonna pursue. These are the things that we're gonna punish. So if you cross these lines, you're, you're out, right? Our, our job is sort of cultural border patrol. We, we get to decide who comes in and who comes out. I mean, Kanye's going through this, Killer Mike is going through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that's different than what you see on the ground because there are a lot of people who are not on social media, they don't listen to any of these people, they're living their lives, they're coaching football, so on and so forth. I always concentrate sort of on the leadership structure because every society has leaders. The question is whether they're good and competent or whether they're self-serving and incompetent. And I would say, in, in our culture, in, in this day and age, the aristocracy, the black leadership class, is self-serving and incompetent. And, and they support everything that is destructive and dysfunctional um, in our community. And whether that's the abortion stuff, we, we were talking about Dwayne Wade, <laughs> all, all of these things. If, it, if it's destructive, if it promotes black men killing one another, if it promotes degradation of black women, if it promotes uh, anything having to do with LGBT, they are completely on board with it. If it promotes um, honoring God and word, thought, and deed, if it promotes a traditional family, if it promotes um, anything that is sort of creative, uh, creative in terms of creation, mm-hmm. right? so strong family, so on and so forth. They say that's a function of white supremacy. So that those are the people that I want to the see leadership structure. Correct. Gotcha. I want the, the talented tenth, the people I know you really dislike. <laughs> the, those are the people that I, I want to see moved out of their
5: place. That's what I'm talking about. And I don't know if those people are easily moved. Well, you about to and, find out. And and <laughs> literally, I think it's going to come from the bottom. And and and. Don't be offended by this, Bryson, but it's just like, I see Bryson and young people Mm -hmm. and independent rappers outside, independent people, people that are like, I'm going to build my own path, Mm -hmm. screw the structure. I think. There's gonna be a class of like Kevin Samuels just came from out of nowhere. Who was Kevin Samuels? Mm-hmm. <laughs> An uh, uh, image consultant that right. you know what? I'm gonna be a talk show host, and I'm gonna, and he. You know who knows why he died or what have they say whatever. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> Red, he
6: did drink
5: real. a lot of Red
9: Bulls. If you look up what that, 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 really Red Bull do these energy drinks, they kill you. I had to go to the hospital for uh, clothes drinking Red Bulls. I, oh, I'm, a game, I'm a gamer too, so I'll be late at night oh. popping threw throwing at Red Bulls. I stopped drinking them cold turkey. Went to the
5: hospital, the dude, yeah. So I see guys like Bryson mm. as they're going to be the disruptor because I think, I think everybody knows the leadership class is corrupt and uh, morally bankrupt, and mm-hmm. so I'm putting a lot of pressure on Bryson and young people. Y- y'all gotta stay, again, the fight, you know, Martin Luther King and these guys were young. They yeah. were. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Anthony, I, Anthony with the gray beard, but Anthony's only <laughs> Real 40. Real
7: young. Uh, 39, <laughs> really 30, really young. young. <laughs> 39 younger. Y- y'all got next. But you know, I, what I see, e- even what you're saying, and I literally, on, on Wednesday night, I was talking to one of my young guys, Like they this generation has so much at their fingertips, Mm. like going back to what King had, like he's literally starting from scratch. However, the formula that that generation had, Mm. if we could take that formula and transplant it here, my grandmother, my mom, they always raised me to know you need to have a job and a hustle. Like you need to have more than one stream of income. You need to be self-sufficient. You need to be able to produce if all of this goes down. And Mm. even in owning your own stuff and producing, man, if if we growing up at 15 had our own social media platform, Google and YouTube, I, that's all you need to start a whole movement. To start I'm tell I tell the young kids like look, don't let me out hustle you. Cause mm-hmm. y'all have stuff we used to have to go to the library. Mm-hmm. Like you got it now. However, it's their thought process. If they've been too plugged into the world thinking for them, now they don't know how to think for them. And that's that formula from the old generation. They didn't have a lot of book sense, but they had some common sense. They knew how to think for themselves, knew how to make a way, knew how to pull themselves up. If we can transplant that to now, because at at the end of the day, okay, yes, we vote, we have a responsibility to do that. But in my kind of world, after, you know, election day, I still got to go serve, right. I still got to go function, right. I still got to go to, I still got to do that kind of stuff. So yes, there's that big thing, but then we got to deal with this. So when you talk about coming from the bottom, I'm preaching responsibility, mm-hmm. I'm preaching faith, I'm, I'm preaching marry that girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know you got vote or die, but hey, we need to marry, mm-hmm. we need to take care of our family, we need to move in responsibility and hey, on all that kind of, that'll that take care of itself. But we got to get this down first. So I, I agree with you. It starts from that kind of young, upwardly bringing. But man, they're looking to that structure that Delano was talking about. Mm-hmm. They're looking at that generation and coming out and saying, "Man, I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a business." Like, oh, do you want to be a father, right. and a husband, and right. an educator and a producer and? a job creator like you can do that from where you are with what you have yeah
6: What I like too about Bryson and some of these guys that are more conservative leaning, like yes, he wants to be a business owner, yes, he wants to be a husband and a father, and I think also they haven't been beaten down as long by mm. feminism, mm. and so, because I always say like, you couldn't have a Jezebel without an Ahab, Right. like right, Ahab right, right, right. allowed her to be yeah. unruly and uncontrollable, and so I feel like these men now that are kind of hitting the ground running are... Are like you know no Jezebel <laughs> I, I'm not getting no. ready to be the Ahab in this <laughs> equation so I appreciate that because they have everything that the older generation have given to them but also this enough is enough and yeah. I think that is the good thing you know and Delano you're in there too that enough is enough whereas you know
3: yeah <laughs> I mean honestly every once in a while I think about this I said man I'm glad I'm married because if I was a single guy on Fearless saying things that I'm saying, oh boy, it'd be some slim pickings out there. <laughs> um, because because oh. I... Preach.
7: <laughs> but they really want your qualities, though. They, they really do. do. Now, yeah. women like they that, really
9: bro. Do. Even, even the most feminist women, they, they, if you talk to them, they like the strong man that's yeah. not afraid, that's bold and stuff yeah. like that. They, they still
3: like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's true, right? But it's, again, on the surface, I, I see so many guys, and I've seen this... Like literally, I'll ask a guy something about you know men and 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 women, you know. It, it was it was a question about um, th- do you think that the Bible allows women to be uh, pastors or elders? Mm. And we going on going back and forth on that. <laughs> and then I said I asked the question. Well, do you think the Bible says that a husband is the head of his wife? And look at
0: you looking. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I
3: think so. <laughs> so. So so part of it is sort of. Uh, reinvigorating men to feel comfortable speaking their minds. Because mm-hmm. as you said, a lot of us have been beaten down and we've gotten the lessons. And uh, many of the people who were holding the canes are the, are the very people I'm talking about in, in the culture. Again, say whatever you want about Kanye West and the things that he's been saying. And some of it, I, it's hard for me to understand what he's saying. But the message is cl- crystal clear. You could preach all types of murder, pimping, mm-hmm. and stripping, and drugs. And, Nobody is ever gonna question you, but if you say some some things about people in certain groups, mm. now hey, you, you got. I've I've seen black folk on the left, the Mart Lamont Hills and the and the um, huh. Ilhan Omar saying we stand against anti-Semitism. I say like, when when did y'all become you right. know Zionists or something like that? <laughs> Preach. So so it's one of those things where our, our culture we send out the messages crystal clear, and that's why I asked you the other day when you were saying, no, nah, man, I think. Charlemagne, he, he's turning, and I said, Jason, can you think of any one of these guys who, when Dwayne Wade says, "I'm so proud of my daughter," that they would stand up and say, "Your son, right, <laughs> son?"
6: All you have to do you is know I mean? look on Instagram say in it. the yeah. comments when he posts something you know, always they're always it. like, oh, yeah. she's so beautiful. And yeah. I'm like, it's a heat!" Exactly. But the celebrities are all buying it. All into of them.
9: It. Because they don't want to mess up that chick. Man, listen, all these people, they get paid. I go back to that juvenile, vax that thing video. <laughs> yeah. <in> this video. <laughs> but yeah, my boy probably got paid like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 to do something like that. so what he's going to do it. The problem is people are slaves to money instead of being slaves to God. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that that's where the main issue is. When you're when you slave to you money, your morals can be whatever I want your morals to be. Correct. Right. If, I, if I'm Okay, yo, Cutting your check. you going to do whatever I tell you to do. That's why all these rappers like Lil Nas X, he was falling off before he came out as a homo, right? Next mm-hmm, thing you know, yeah. th- now he's on, he on the top of the Billboard charts. He was right. literally, at the Old Town Road, he was on the way down.
6: Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's not good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> after Old Town Road? After yeah.
9: Old Town Road, his his next two, three singles was flops. He was on the way out and then he came out and said he was a, 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 a sussy boy, and then next thing you know, he back on the top, back on the top of the charts. Kid Cudi, career is pretty much done, he put on the dress, now so everybody I talk f- about him. Correct, correct. Mm. I mean, I mean, all the people get paid to do these things by their, um, mm. you
5: know, the people in charge. So, so mm. Bryson, why are you different? In terms, mm. you were on the cusp, you and the 336 boys of commercial so success. <laughs> why, is it something your father, mother, mm. church put into you? Why are you different and how do we get that to more young people? I know you want such a like beautiful answer. I'm just crazy, bro.
9: Like, my pa- I've always been crazy. If you talk to my parents, my parents <laughs> would tell you I've always been crazy, just literally since I've been like alive. So I have no chill button in my brain. So it's like, I don't, I don't believe in no, like, what do you mean I can't say this? And I would right. say it more, right. just, just to make you upset at this point, because you shouldn't <laughs> have told me I couldn't say it. That's why. I am saying. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's what, like Kanye, let me tell something. Kanye, one of my favorite uh, uh, artists ever, right? My, my issue with Kanye is sometimes he'll he'll back down just the N.C. been in his interviews. And I'll be like, man, don't give them what they want because I won't give nobody. You don't get... Sh- sh- actually, because you know I don't yeah. give nobody what they want. Right? I gave you what I wanted to give you when I, to- what I told you the first time, so you're going to take that how it is. Mm-hmm.
6: I think that's how we pretty much bonded because yep. I'll see Bryson like going real hard and I might slip him an inbox message like, yeah!
9: Facts.
5: Facts. Because you got to be willing to miss opportunities, but Bryson, hold for one second, though, because I think it's youth speaking in terms of mm. I'm crazy. And, and and people will hear that and think, well, I'm not crazy, so I don't need to be like Bryson. Mm. And, and so I, I don't think it's accurate because there's nobody in my family mm-hmm. that wouldn't say that Jason coming out of the womb, if he believed it,
3: mm-hmm. Jason
5: Whitlock was going to say it and stand on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not crazy, right? That's something my grandmother put in me and 25th Street Baptist Church Put in me. So I don't mean there's crazy. some truth. Mm. I'm just standing on it no, so until I, someone proves me
9: wrong. I don't believe crazy in the sense that when Kanye calls himself crazy, like bipolar, no, I am perfectly sane. Uh, when I say crazy, I mean, you know how sometimes it takes people a little bit crazy to do the things we do. Mm. Not crazy in the literal sense. Crazy as in like that person just literally doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. They're
6: just saying, and yeah. it's been quoted that is not from the person but it's like a well-behaved woman rarely makes history history, and it's like Mm you gotta be that person that's willing to kind of go against the grain Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah
3: but think think of that phrase right over the over the last forget about 60 years 20 years five years what we've seen is that the men have become well-behaved and docile Mm -hmm. and the women one, one of the top uh female artists is literally Megan, the stallion. Right. Stallion is is, a, is an uncut horse, right, right? That yeah. will <laughs> run, and you know what I mean. Yeah. And all the guys are sitting over there. They geldings, and that's why I said when, when WAP came out, I already know like clockwork. None of these guys, none of the none of the, the loud voices, the social justice people are gonna say, you know what? I think putting those images out to our community is is a net negative, particularly for young girls coming after Cardi and Meg. I know there's zero chance they're gonna do that because all of them, they're very well-behaved men. When it comes to those types of issues, if, if, it, if it's something that will benefit our community, they sit there and they're very, you know, they're very docile. Mm-hmm. But when, it, when it's, oh, I heard, I heard a white person in Iowa said she don't like Beyonce. Now they, they chanting and they say yeah. black lives matter. And I'm just like, they have the wrong values. And part of the problem, as you said, with money, at a certain point we gotta ask ourselves, how long will we play the harlot? Because, mm-hmm. and, I, and I said the other day, I'm not trying to be Gomer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a whore. And I'm just, Mom, which camera? Mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know <what> I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to let somebody pay me and, and entice me with money to say things that I don't believe. Because at the end of the day, I have to answer for every single word that I utter on this earth. Yes. I have to look my wife in her eye when I go home. Mm. I have to look my children in their eyes, eye. And when I tell them, I want them to be courageous. I want them to be obedient to God first and foremost. Mm. And then they look back at me and say, well, dad, you're not that way. You're right. obedient to money. Right. And whoever's paying, cutting you the biggest check, you'll say whatever you, you want to say out of your mouth. And, I, and that's, my, that's my problem with these people. I know that they're lying. If you ask any of these men, you say trans women or women, OK, show me a Tinder profile. Right. Put, show me where you checked. I'm interested in trans women. And they said, man, I ain't want no no lady with no pee-pee parts. <laughs> Unless you chance the rapper. Well, hey, <laughs> hey, hey,
9: oh, hey, I saw that. And I was so, so distelted. I don't even know what that's yeah. about, but whatever.
3: If Shamika said,
5: I believe it. So, <laughs> so Anthony, I want to throw it back to you. When yeah. I listen to what Delano's saying yeah. and what I hear what Bryson is saying, and Bryson is young, and so and I've, I've been both. there where yeah. I thought. No, I'm just crazy. And then what I figured out is like, no, I'm just based in truth that was put in me mm-hmm. at 25th Street Baptist Church and my grandmother. And it just I just hear based.
7: Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what do based. you hear? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hear confidence. I mm-hmm. hear self-assurance, mm. uh, which is what the young guys that I'm around. I'm trying to speak to them. There's a demographic of young people that look at mass effect and are not really Mm -hmm. cultured in, hey, just being consistent, Mm -hmm. going to work daily, bringing home a check, making an honest living. That stands out in the world that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so if you are confident, my very first sermon at 11 years old, do you know the truth? Mm -hmm. Always been about truth. Okay, so so if I stand on that, but what that means to me is I have to have a family system that fortifies me when I'm 14, 15 years old and everybody else is doing this. I'm saying, man, but I I got to do this. Nah, you're not like the rest of them. You're on your own path. And that over time shows itself through. And so I, I have to live it so that I can show them, hey, it's all right. And I'm teaching them as well as my own kids. Be productive yourself. Right. You know, yeah, you can have a talent to do and you can rap and do all this. kind. Now, you know what? I'm going to buy my own equipment. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't have to partner with another. I got my own stuff here Mm. so they can take all of that away. And I'm still doing me. That's what Kevin Samuels did. Mm. That's what we're seeing a lot of that. So when I hear what Bryson did, when I hear what you did, I have seen it in myself, which is. I'm confident in Anthony Walker. I'm confident in Jason Whitlock. I'm confident in Bryson. I, I got this. I'm good. And regardless of the mass effect and mass appeal, I'm confident in this. And I can move in this. And, and I'm good with that. And if we have men that are like that, that it, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the, no, 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 I'm, this is this is true. You know, imagine, like, I'm with Delano. Imagine any of these big time, hey, listen, guys trans women are not women okay we just, we, That's just all they gotta say just it. put it out <laughs> i mean and, and i'm talking i'm talking even to the guys that are married like mm-hmm. they have kids we know how this right. equation Correct. works right Correct. We, we know what it takes to do this just make that declaration and be willing to stand mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that i hate everybody that right. doesn't mean i don't have to buy in all of that but if i stand by truth Yes, it's going to affect the world of lies, and I have to be prepared for that. Correct. That I know this is what's going to happen. But now I hear the same confidence that I'm trying to preach and teach uh, to others. It is a truth base. I think
3: think one of the things, and I learned this as I got older, and I I hope it's helpful, particularly for parents, because sometimes you have that child and you think that they're stubborn and that they're obstinate and disobedient. And sometimes when they're young, they are, Mm -hmm. but... What, what you're starting to see is that, okay, I have a child that's not easily moved. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's one of the things that I, I had some of that, you know, when I was, when I was a younger person and growing up. And, and, and you need that because the truth is not popular nowadays. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons that everybody's running from it. I mean, th- as I said, these guys are, are going to run and hide. And, and the reason I, I always harp on the aristocracy is because, as Pastor Anthony was saying, I, I'm just doing a thought experiment. If every single black person with a p- major platform, the politicians, the pundits, the preachers, the professors, and the performers, if they took all the energy they put into trying to get white folks straight, you got to read this book, and do this, and send your kid to this school, and put this, and post this, and that, and they said, We're gonna, we are going to collectively promote certain types of values, right? marriage before carriage, mm. work hard, education, entrepreneurship, uh, faith, and so on and so on and so forth, our community conversations will be transformed overnight. If the CEO of BET said, look, if you want to have your show or your video on BET, no, no uh, GMO music, no guns, no murder, <laughs> no ops, mm. right. or, or B, or H, none of that stuff, it would change our community conversations overnight. But they're not going to do that because, mm-hmm. as I said, like, we've been in this cycle of, of as I, 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 of whoredom and boredom, idolatry and harlotry for a very, very, very long time. And it's hard to shake people out of that. And that's why I said to you Friday, yeah, the suburban moms, they don't have anything to lose. They're looking at their kids. They look, they're seeing their kids being uh, trampled on. And they say, who cares? But the guys who got $60 million in the bank, and they got a $75 million lifestyle, they said, this, this money can't run out. And they'll sell all of us out. Yeah. All of us. All that black solidarity stuff is going to mm-hmm. go out the window. They said, Delano? Oh my gosh, no, please. No. Get, it. Get him out of here. No, I I believe you, Jim. Jim <laughs> right. Bob. No, I'm I'm yeah. with you. I stand with you. I'm not with him. <laughs> so yeah. it's like we, we gotta understand, you know, the fight that we're fighting, and this, this is where it is today.
6: Those are the real sellouts, the ones that, you know, don't mind preaching that death culture. Mm-hmm. And you're right about B.T. like my daughter is a rapper. I had to introduce her to Bryson because I had to say to her, listen, because she says she doesn't want to curse. She doesn't want to talk about killing people. She doesn't want to be, uh, you know, naked. And I said, well, you realize this means you're going to have to actually believe in yourself mm-hmm. yes. because you're not going to have people lined up wanting to work with you because you're actually talking about something. So I appreciated the fact that we had Bryson, someone young who actually makes good sounding music. Because, you know, sometimes when it's Christian music, it's like, you know. Oh, I know for (laughs) sure. But, But, you know, this is like good music with a good beat and you want to rap along. And so it was helpful to have somebody to point to to say he did it. And especially when you bought your parents, the you paid off their house. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, look, this is an example. So mm-hmm. it's, it's needed for sure. Yeah.
9: Thank you, thank you. But I, all this stuff is planned. So it's not like, I'm gonna put it like this. I had a song called False Teachers, right? And I got a guy to push it on radio. The radio stations loved it. These are Christian radio stations, by the way. <laughs> Christian radio stations. That's a classic, very crazy point I you people to realize. They contacted the guy back I had working for me and said, we love the song, we'll actually play it. He had to take out the part about the LGBT. Mm. I didn't curse, I didn't even call him my, one of my favorite words.
3: mm mm-hmm.
9: <laughs> All I did was, you know, to talk about what the scripture says, right? And he said, bro, you just got to take it out, bro. I got like 10 of the biggest Christian stations ready to play, and I said, take what out? The Bible? You know what I'm saying, the Bible out of the Christian song for a Christian radio station? Mm. I was like, nah, so, so I just gave it up. But the, the drop songs, what you said, the, what you call the GMO raps?
7: Mm-hmm.
9: Oh, they play that, that's what they need. Mm-hmm. You give them that, that's, that's what they want from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cause, like, like I, told, I told Jason this last week, they talking about real people on these songs. Yes. Real kids that are dead in yes. the song. Real, yes. like, like, this is real. Their mamas are doing interviews still, crying in the interviews right. still yes. because their kids are being mocked for, for the last 10 years. Mm. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And that can be played on the radio, though. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and what happened when New York tried to ban drill music? All the rappers came together. Oh, yeah. Like freedom of speech. Right, yeah, you, can't, you, exactly. can't
6: be, you, can't, you can't ban our freedom of expression. <laughs> and that's awful. Drill rap is terrible. That was disgusting. Awesome. Yeah. yeah.
5: That, that's... We're going to end on that note, Bryson, that a Christian... Mm. radio stations. Hey, take the Bible out of your song, Correct. and then we'll play it. Mm. That's what keeps me up at night. Uh, but I'm going to, I've had too much to drink, I'm going to bed. Uh, the cookout is over. I may have me another chicken wing or two, uh, but the cookout is over. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll play tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Mm.
3: Break out, feeling like a standoff Nothing in life, like freedom Came like a fighter Striking like a
1: ladder Making all this moves for free